Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with your host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary are provided by Jackson Delisle and Monica Hacker. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Planable. Planable Planable.io gives your social media team everything they need to really move their creative process forward. It allows you to preview social media posts as they are live, real time. No more screenshots, mock-ups, spreadsheets. Your clients can review content from within the platform. And do you have anything to say about it, Monica? It's a great platform. We've been using it now for a month. I love it. Um, it's a game changer in the content world. I highly suggest it. Yeah, go to Planable, P-L-A-N-A-B-L-E dot I-O to start your free trial today. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Influence Factory. We are in episode 84, and this is uh, this is an improv-based episode. We have a special guest with us today that's kicking off the show, uh, Michael Vizione. How you doing? doing? I know I want to say A, but it's Vizione. Yes, right? it is. It is. I'm, doing, I'm doing well, though. How are you? Good, man. Good. And we were just um, we we're cracking up before the show because uh, both of you are in the same improv group and we'll get to that in a minute. But that picture behind you is in my very home and I've never seen it anywhere else before. And then you appear on camera and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Michael's in my house. But you are. I am not, unfortunately, but never say never. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. We'll have to have him at Camp Delisle sometime. Huh, Jackson? Definitely. 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, so this is a very special episode because I have the pleasure, coincidentally, tomorrow, I am meeting with um, Tom Yorton, who is well-known, uh, uh, and Kenny Leonard from uh, the book, Yes And. It's a business book on improv from Second City. And Jackson, um, did you guys start in the same class at Second City? No, no. We started actually, so I started in, I mean, we started taking the same curriculum, uh, but we started, we met in level C, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. So level C, we, the, it was like two or three people from my original level A, and then the rest of everyone else had been together since level A or B. Uh, and then I came in and then we, uh, we just, so, well, that was when we started performing in class. We had end of class shows and then we were like, well, you know, we like doing it. We might as well see if we're good. And then we did the improv competition with no expectations at all. You know, we were what, just out of level C, uh, or in level, we just had finished level D and did the improv competition. And then we won a three week show run. So, right. So that was like it kind of what started the ball rolling on making it bigger than just a class that meets once a week. So, yeah. And, um, you know, what, what's interesting is, you know, we talk a lot about, um, in, uh, business about, um, improv and utilization of improv. And we'll get to some of that here shortly. But uh, but when I noticed on your shows, you know, and I know you had a certain setup for the show, but even though you did a three show run, uh, what was cool, it's almost like theater, but it's even more different is that it changes every time, which I think is super cool. So even if you go to like two shows, you're not going to see the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, it's, it's a super pro and it's also super con because every show is completely different. But like if if my mom or my brother happens to miss a show and they're like, what happened? And it's it's so hard to explain. Like, yeah. you know, today I was a bus driver. I happened to run over six and a half cows um, and I have a cow out there. I don't understand. But it's so hard explaining to people like what I did during the show or how my group did during the show. It's just like you literally have to be there or I can't tell you anything. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's, uh, that's what I love about it. So, uh, well, we're going to dig into some business, uh, cool business, uh, parallels here. 
and some real life parallels here too. But first and foremost, so uh, Jackson, most of our audience knows you that, um, you know, obviously they've met you at events or they've seen you on some of our broadcast. And for us, you uh, do a lot of digital marketing. Uh, you're a speaker, a trainer, and a coach. And then you also help out with uh, production. You know, you, you run a lot of these productions and other productions that we do. Um, and then you and I succeeded our third degree black belt in uh, mixed martial arts. And what's interesting is they always want us to go for our fourth, but uh, not sure if we'll ever do that. And then um, one other cool thing is that, well, I don't know if it's cool, but I thought it was impressive is that you did a performance with 103 fever and strep throat. So I was like, whoa, okay, so he's still going on, right? Michael Jordan flu game right there. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? That's what we think about. And then it it was uh, a choir performance too. So it was like strictly vocal. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know how you did it. It was for a grade. Um, If I skipped it, they wouldn't have let me redo it so i was like uh well i'm not failing right right then michael i have to thank you because you have served our country in the united states air force like my dad so thank you for serving for sure yep okay yeah and uh when did you uh when did you leave the air force um i actually finished up in march of okay and now you're going to school to be a fine teacher and contribute to our education system that's right? right absolutely Cool, cool, cool. Now you cooked for celebrity chef Robert Irvine. How did that happen? Um, So yeah, so when I was stationed in Korea, um, they pretty much voluntold me because they look for, I guess, energetic people. And I happen to be one of them. And um, they were like, hey, do you want to do this uh, cooking competition for celebrity chef Robert Irvine? And I said, I guess so. Um, and so I happened to do it, uh, and they was like, they did like a hidden, um, a hidden, uh, recipe thing. So you could only use a certain amount of items to cook. And I made him a pineapple glazed chicken and he took a bite of it and he said it wasn't bad. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Exactly. Um, you know, and I want to talk about rugby for just a minute and then we'll get into some improv as Jackson's tweeting. I can always tell when he's tweeting. You can see the reflection in your glasses. It's a giveaway. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, no. It's all good, man. Um, so, uh, so with rugby, I was with a client and I said, he said, well, my son is, uh, you know, playing uh, away at college and he's playing rugby. And I go, really, why, why rugby? Cause I knew he played football. Well, he goes, first of all, he got in a lot of trouble when he was playing football. So I said, okay, I know a lot of football players that get in trouble. Right. right. Um, I was a football player and wrestler, et cetera. And so I said, well, why rugby? He said, well, football player, it's always, um, there's a lot of confrontation. It's like, the other team is always the enemy. And he goes, what always drove me nuts is he said, you've got these players on the field and then you've got some on the sidelines that will get to play, but there's many players that never get to play unless someone gets injured or it's circumstantial. So he said in rugby, it's such a physical ongoing game that everyone gets to play and there's always a shot where somebody can make a play or get the ball. So everybody has an opportunity to play. Yeah, I'd never heard it said like that before. Yeah, well, and the thing, because you're talking about um, football and just like team A and team B just absolutely hating each other. It's crazy with rugby because um, like we might hate each other for the moment on the field, but like the social parties are just like getting together after the rugby matches afterwards. It's absolutely insane. Like it's a crazy brotherhood. Um, that like, I guess all rugby players just have with each other. And it's, it's super cool to just come together with like complete strangers that you just beat up on or like just, you just cracked open his head or broke his finger or whatever. (laughs) I'm only saying that because I witnessed it and I was the one actually happened to get my finger broken during the match. But, um, it's, it's super cool. Like the coming together of, uh, the mean, like looking disgusting rugby guys, you know, and he said that he said at the end, he goes, the home team, at least in his experience, typically hosts the party. And he goes, everybody's arm in arm after the match. 
nobody hates anybody and everybody parties together. And I just thought I'd never heard of that before, but I was like, wow, that's sort of like in business, we try to build a community. And even though we'll bump heads and and not agree and things like that, at the end of the day, we all want to get along and, and, you know, help each other and work together. And I said, wow, that's almost like a business community of how you want, you know, in rugby, you fight for each other, you fight against the enemy or you go up against the enemy. But at the end of the day, if you're collaborative, it all works out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's literally how it was. So, and it was, it was super cool because I was playing in South Korea and we just traveled all throughout South Korea, but really we met people from all over the world that were playing and it was just, everybody was welcoming with like open arms. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So you and Jackson, um, you and Jackson uh, just completed, uh, I guess they, uh, do they call it graduated from second city or like complete? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We, graduation. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we graduated the program. So like they have tons of programs. They have improv for business improv for, you know, uh, like people with anxiety improv for, you know, different levels for where you're at and what you want to utilize it for. We were just like improv for making people laugh. Um, I mean, which is just their normal improv one. Um, <laughs> but I, there's, it's not like it was level A through E. We did it for, what is it? Nine months or. Yeah. We started in, uh, in January and just finished up. So, uh, so like, yeah, 10 months. Cause we graduated on the 27th, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it I felt, I, it felt I, like, yeah, it, yeah, it did. It definitely right. did. Um, so yeah, so we did that and now I have, we have like degrees, <laughs> For lack of a better term, we have a piece of paper that says we're funny. Yeah. I saw it on the fridge. It looks pretty good. Yeah. You, you, don't, you, you don't even have to think we're funny. We have a physical evidence that we're funny. Um, so I've got to ask you this because one of the things I, you know, as much as I remembered, I forgot. And, you know, I'm a lot older than you guys. And I used to hang out at the old Second City on wells and and we'd go down there and run into some of these folks from time to time as they were progressing in their careers but i will look down the i don't even know if it's the wall of fame but just all the pictures of everybody that's gone through there and what's interesting is i just couldn't i didn't realize that so many people came from second city and made it big if you will so um so and and a lot of times jackson as we're traveling and our you know going through in our travels um somebody's ringing (laughs) i'm so sorry that's okay you know that happens that's just like when you're shooting movie you know just burn the film so it's like okay you know we'll just retake that thank god Um, for editors yes right (laughs) so in doing that we have um you know, the, the, a lot of people that came through there, but if I were going to ask you like Michael and then, and then Jackson, um, like Michael, who are three people that as you're going through or you go on stage or you're getting ready to warm up, uh, who do you think of, or do, do you, do you model after anybody? Do you think of anybody that's sort of been your role model in there? Um, I am probably one of the biggest, like, it's going to be a plain answer because he's so big and especially around second city but i'm one of like the biggest steve crow fans out there um and i've watched just about every interview he's ever done um and he would talk about it um with second city and also like doing his um uh if he's trying to get a role for a movie um i kind of use the same mindset uh so if he's going into an audition for a movie, um, his mindset is pretty much, if this doesn't go well, then guess what? I have to go back to my wife and kids and like, what <laughs> and a tell rough, them I failed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like what, what a rough life that is. And I kind of, I use that mindset as well. Like I'm going on stage and you know, whether it goes well or not, um, it's, it's not a life or death matter. Like I'm still going to go home to my same apartment, you know, I'll see my brother and no matter what, like, our class would get drinks afterwards. So it's nothing like nothing crazy. But if I would definitely say Steve Carell, um, Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, yeah. Had a huge influence and they were both in Second City, Toronto. Um, so they're definitely, definitely my three for sure. Yeah. And Jackson, as we were traveling, I didn't realize like there's a Second City Hollywood, right? And yeah. And, and there's obviously <clears throat> no Second City in the first city. So there's Second yeah. City Toronto and Chicago. Is that the only three that we know of? Or 
Uh, yeah. Well, they had one in Amsterdam for a little while, but I don't know that they kept it. Too many people got arrested. <laughs> no, too many people. They were just high, couldn't keep it running. You know, and no, I'm just kidding. Right. I have no idea why they didn't uh, keep it running. It's just not advertised on their site if it is still running. Right. Uh, but I know for like a, a short while they did have an Amsterdam location. Uh, I know, and then Groundlings tends to be oh, a little bit right. the bigger one in on the West Coast and on the East Coast they have UCB. Right. And, Which, and ideally it's the feeder technically for other comedy as well as SNL, you know? Yeah. Um, if you will. Yes. You know, today, Netflix and all the other stuff. Um, so for you, who's the three that, that stand out for you? Um, I would say, I mean, Chris Farley is yeah. a huge one. I mean, just, um, I'm, I've, you know, like you hear people that like worked with him and stuff that like, they just like rave. He was such a good person. So humble. And I feel like that's something that's huge in the entertainment business is there's a lot of people that are like, you know, like not humble about their work. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like I never want to be perceived as someone that is like, well, I'm at second city. Like, you know what I mean? Like I never want to, it's like, yeah, this is what I do. And I love doing this and I love making people laugh. But I feel like that mentality of being like humble and easy to work with and always being able to take notes and criticism and being like, okay, and then pivot from that. I feel like that's a great way to be. And then, you know, the other, you know, legends that came from there, like uh, Bill Murray and uh, uh, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, those, I would say uh, my top three, Chris Farley, John Belushi and Bill Murray. Um, Just because, you know, and like, I mean, I've heard stories recently come up that you know, Bill Murray was a little difficult to work with in some cases. Um, but I mean, other than that, you know, he's just a super funny guy when he gets on stage. So like, I'm always like calling from the, you know, from the legends, you know what I mean? I'm like, right. give me the strength. <laughs> <laughs> well, and how is it? You know, I always wonder this because it's it's uncertainty. And before we went on the air, uh, Michael, I was telling you how like even in in my talk the other night and a lot of my talks, even though I have slide decks and I have a way that it's going to start, I I begin interacting with the audience ahead of time, much like you guys do when you go out there. And then I work from that energy or that angle of who they're from. Um, And so I'm, I'm inspired by how you guys, um, how you guys come out and do that and not, knowing like you don't even know what the topics i mean you sort of know the framework but not the topic so so how is it warming up for when i see you guys at the second city go ahead jackson Um, (laughs) so you you mean just like like when we warm up before there's an audience is there something you do is there a ritual a routine a thing is it yeah i i think that so i mean we always play like the original i wouldn't like oh the og games like you know like zip zap zap but then we do it with a twist because twisted lime um and then we you know we'll add other things in there we uh, do a lot of yes anding games to keep out of like that negative like mindset because yeah because you have to keep yes anding things no matter what otherwise if you say but no that automatically stops the scene right in its tracks and it makes it harder to push forward and build on it because it's now like okay we're switching gears now and like if you really want to switch gears, I mean, there's ways around it. Like if you want to cut it short, there's tag out sweeps, all that stuff, which sweep is just running in front of it. And so, so, so tell us a little bit for those of us that don't know improv, because I just got a hold of this book and Nancy came on late, but Nancy's the one that actually gave me the book and we're meeting uh, with uh, Tom tomorrow. Um, But yes. And what is that? What is that? It's basically like, well, to get back to your last question real quick, Um, I think the coolest ritual that we have before that like literally I could be like sweating bullets and like going, you know, like, oh, this I'm not feeling well. This is like I could be like in that 103 degree fever stage and we all take the time and go, I've got your back. Every single one of us, we hug, we high five. I got your back. Joe and I usually do a chest bump and then we do another one when we get on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael has an eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then, yeah, then we kind of like try and figure out, we like grab someone we're like, Hey, let's do this funny when we walk on stage for like the big high energy entrance. And we're, it's all about getting the energy up. 
right before you go on stage. Because if you go out and you're like, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, you, like you're, the audience gives you what you give them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you well, have high energy, it's. Yeah, no, it, that's hundred percent um, accurate. And like we've Jackson, we've seen. Um, and I mean, our team is in no way perfect. Like no. every performance is not perfect, but we've seen teams come out with like super low energy and it's just like, well, like teams that we know are really good. Yeah. Like, Cause we know people on, you know, the other teams will go see them and like, you know, it's that, it's that decision of like, you know, the energy aspect. And I, I think that's like the biggest thing. Like, honestly, I don't think it's about being funny at all. I think it's about just like, making yourself look like an idiot and like having the biggest energy and just committing to every decision you make on stage. Yeah. The hardest thing I would say is probably remembering the things that you commit to because a lot of times, like not necessarily in games because games are super short. That's like short form. And then you have long form, which is like when we get like one or two suggestions and then we go for like 30 minutes and then we just keep tagging switching and like the timeline increases but like let's say i was like an old grandfather in like the first one and then i come back but now i'm a kid and then i come out into scene but then i'm like oh wait hold on wait what what were my you know like four characters and walk-ons that i've played and it's like which one am i going to pick for this one, you know, so usually just the one I can remember on the spot. Um, <laughs> so there's a setup and there's an improv to it, right? So there's yeah. uh, like a framework. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's there's definitely a method to the madness. Um, but like like we said earlier, it's I mean, it's obviously not scripted at all. And yeah, yeah you could be any character in any given time. Yeah, I know. And uh, that's and, and I and I just I play in my head so many scenarios where that that could be useful as well as um i think of the synergy that i see on stage and i'm like wow i think companies would love to have that as part of their culture of where they work and jackson you work in different environments uh with events with us and things like that and then michael you know you have two jobs in school going on right now so i'm sure you see some of that around there um so what's interesting is how you um and I don't even know how you do it, but how you know when to play off of one another and how, and, and I'm sure it's just some practice too, but it's like, you know, how do you know, like, like just to work from each other and not cut each other off all the time, you know? So, pretty you know amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say 80% of improv is listening. Ah. Um, and then like, yeah. And then the other half is just reacting to what you just heard. Um, so, I mean, we learned that in, I guess, le level A and level B, they hammered listening because if someone walks on stage and they're, you know, they're talking about their coffee and you go and say, how's your Red Bull? <laughs> yeah. You know, it just, it completely throws away the scene. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, well, like, like it, I think a lot of it is, Ever, like you can be a strong improviser individually, but like I would say that all of us have a decent set of skills and we will find you and we, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but we could literally like, you, like I think it's all about having that team mentality of like, like even if I don't have an idea, but like there's only one dude on stage sitting there sipping his coffee, like Michael said, like, our instinct is to literally just jump out and figure out what he's doing to the best of our abilities and try and match whatever fits in that scene. And basically like that's, that goes back to like our ritual of being like, I've got your back, which essentially just means like, if you look like a fool out there, we all look like fools out there together. <laughs> like that we're, if yeah. one of us goes down, we all go down. But like the more, I, I don't know, I feel like, like the more stupid you make yourself on stage, like it, the harder it is to fail because you go into that mentality of like, even if this goes poorly, like we already have a second show scheduled and we will do it better next time. And then people like, I don't know, it's kind of like, cause we do the same stuff with the same amount of energy and the same amount of like just making us ourselves look stupid. Well, I, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think though, hold on. I, I, I think, I think, cause when I was reading part of this book, it was talking about 
uh, being unafraid to just let go and and be authentic and like you know, do and, whatever like the f- f- not well okay so it's not necessarily the first thing that comes to your mind because they do think of a to, they do a to c thinking right or isn't that what it, does that right? mean yeah um michael you want to talk about that one because i mean I know um, I yeah so uh a to c is uh we do it for warm-up too uh sometimes before the game so um if i were to say right now if i were to say to you um red your next stop might be blue um, or it might be yellow if you're thinking like traffic stop. Uh, okay. So A to C is just taking your your first original thought and taking it to the next level. Like mine so, was or, sangria. When he said red, I thought sangria. Yeah, exactly. So instead of just like a simple blue or yellow, red could take you to stop sign or Christmas or, you know, just on and on and on. You're just taking your thought process right. to the next level. Yeah. So not necessarily settling for that first like whim, you know what I mean? Like maybe there is something more, you know, like to make it more interesting for the audience. Cause like if someone says red, you know, you're like, and someone says like, you know, like murder, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that made it more interesting. What, who's murdered, who got murdered? And, right. Um, yeah, so I think, I think that's super beneficial in any aspect of life though. You know what I mean? I mean, I know you're not always like, let's make this conference call more exciting. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> sometimes I want to do that if it's depending on the conference call, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I do feel like it's like, like even with dealing with clients, if someone tells you the things that they need, it's always like, instead of just, you know, being like straight up like, oh, we have this, 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 and this. It's like, okay, well, just listen to what he's saying, what they're saying. And then you move on and go, oh, I have this one thing that is perfect for you. You know what I right. mean? It's not necessarily like, here are the top five things that I think would fit kind of what you need. It's like, here's this number one thing that I absolutely would recommend for what you just told me. Right. You know, and it like goes beyond that first instinct of going, you know, buy now, buy now, buy now, you know, and it kind of breaks yeah. down, makes it more personal makes it more in like just person to person authentic, like what you said, authentic. Um, yeah, I, I like that because, uh, yeah, I was even in a conversation uh, yesterday actually with Nancy and as we're playing through it, um, she was having a tough time uh, understanding some of our lingo, which is funny because she came from a marketing background, but she just didn't have some of the current lingo that we were talking about. And she's like, well, if I'm not understanding it, others might not. So um, that's one of the things we think about is listening to what do they want to solve or what do they want to do and, and, and giving them enough space to talk about that and then, and then piecing things off of that, which feels like improv to me, right? What you just described. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought you were talking about improv. Because um, <laughs> I mean, it, it literally is. Uh, I mean, you're just starting a scene, and no matter who's on stage, you're literally just building brick by brick. You know what's what's going on in the scene, no matter how crazy it is. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the coolest thing about it because, like, um, and like I I by no means am like saying that like anything is like better or worse because like improv is just different, but. Uh, I think one of the coolest things is like, we don't have sets, like we don't have, uh, costumes. Props. We don't have props. Yeah. I mean, that's not true. Cause there are a couple games that you like use props, like the game props. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that game. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. Um, but it was, uh, I think it's like super cool because everything is just like, like Michael said, brick by brick. It's not 100% like all like okay this is where we're gonna start and it's not even like outlined at all it's literally someone was like oh what the end of that last scene like something sparked in my head and i need to do a scene about like a grandma baking cookies with their grandchildren you know what i mean but then you things like that and i think that's super cool um and i tend to lean more towards i like long form a little bit better but i'm like always like like improv games i'm totally cool to play i love all of them like there's like like we were planning out the show we're we're like you know been planning out the show for the past you know few weeks and stuff and we're just like like i he texted all of us the michael texted in the group was like hey here are all the games that we're going to be playing you know like let us know what you want to play and i was like honestly i will play whichever game 
like fits. Like, I honestly don't care. I trust you guys. Like, just put me in whatever and I'll do it, you know, because it's improv. It's like the less you think, you just can't overthink. Right. You get stuck in overthinking, which is like in everything. It's like, oh, should I get 2% milk or should I get skim milk? Right. What's the real difference? That's, that's, um, I'm glad you brought up overthinking because that's huge. And whenever people do come to stage, and they're like, yeah, I have this character in mind that I want to do. I'm just like, well, forget about it. Like, yeah. don't don't walk on stage with, like, something in your head that you're trying to bring out because that will throw you off completely the, the entire time. Yeah, that's interesting. So so get out of your head, basically, yeah. which yeah. is what we say in business. It's It's like if you're playing too much in your head, you're not with the audience or the person that you're across from. So I'm sure the audience feels that as well, right? I would no, yeah. oh, ab- absolutely. And, like... Yeah, the audience can definitely tell if you have something scripted because if he's a grandma baking cookies and I'm trying to be a Russian spy and I just walk in, like it, it doesn't really make sense if I had that like train of thought beforehand. Um, but and I, I like, kind of want to see that played out now. But I mean, anything can happen. Um, but like my my biggest thing with um, improv that you can kind of take to everyday life too is being comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of people are like scared to do that or like be, might be in weird situations. Um, and it, it just gets you out of your shell. Um, I mean, obviously if you're going to be a grandma or a Russian spy, so. Yeah. So, um, or a robot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was one of my get, favorite scenes. I'm not going to give yeah, it away. We don't there. have to get too far into that. No, one. we're not going to go technical <laughs> on that one. <laughs> that was, that was a good one though. Yeah, um, that was a good one. But, um, so back to, uh, the yes. And because, you know, I was, I was sort of fascinated and I didn't even know that was a thing. And a lot of times I'll, I'll just say that. And I didn't even know what I was saying, you know, like I, you know, it was like a, you know, both and yes. And and all this other stuff but can you guys one of you maybe go into that or both of you however you want to do it improv it <laughs> yeah um i mean like i said you know yes and is pretty much just like that what we had uh, talked about with our like ritual is like you know whatever it is i'm gonna go with it you know oh, it's a step it's, up okay it's it's like constantly it's like an agreement to constantly keep moving the scene and the timeline and everything forward as opposed to it, it it goes along with every other like fundamental rule, which is like getting out of your head. And like what Michael talked about was like not pre-planning those characters. So like whatever ideas you had pre-planned, you know, you take those and you just throw them in the garbage because they're useless in improv because all it is, is it's in the moment and it's like happening as it's happening. Like no one's seen it before and no one will ever see it again. So just focus on making it work as opposed to trying to change it for your own benefit or your own desire. It's like, it's a collaborative effort. Like make that happen. The the thing I have to add to that, um, which I I agree with all of it, um, but yes, like yes and to the improv world is if you're looking at it brick by brick, it's the first brick. Because if I were to start a scene with my grandma and I said, hey, grandma, make sure you throw white macadamians in there. And she says no. Well, then the scene is dead. Like you can't really build anything off of it. Um, So it's a lot about chemistry and it's having like trust in your playing partner. um, Just knowing that they're no matter what comes out of your mouth, they're going to agree with it and they're going to build onto it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Actually, I was laughing because uh Nancy, this is Nancy's book with a signature to, you know, he's, uh, Tom signed it to her and he said, now this makes sense. Cause I was like, what does this mean? It's like, bring a brick, not a cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's improv. That's super true. Yeah. yeah. Cause you never know what you're going to build. Right. So just bring a, bring a brick, everybody bring a brick. Exactly. And it's, it's also what he's saying there is, um, don't like, don't try to jump to anything insanely crazy. Um, I tell I tell our group, um, don't try and make funnies make sense because if you <laughs> right. if you do try and like be funny, then it almost reverse it works backwards every single time and right. just it it brings like a weird awkwardness to the uh, the scene. So if you're making sense in the scene, the funny will eventually come. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I uh, um. 
Okay. Yeah. And I uh, was just uh, thinking about this was that like, there are certain, like certain basic fundamental rules that they teach you like day one, like no questions and things like that. What does that mean? Like, no, like, don't ask questions because questions are not going to move that scene forward. Like I just did? <laughs> no, I mean, because, <laughs> well, like, you would kind of, like, hate it if it was just, like, would you like to go to the park? When we get to the park, would you like to play Frisbee? Right. Should I bring my dog to the park with us? Uh, are you cool if my girlfriend comes? You know what I mean? And it's just this constant. And if you saw, like, we were still sitting talking about doing the one thing that the scene just should have been about was at the park with the dog and the girlfriend and him. Hey man, sorry. I brought my girlfriend and my dog with, it was like all unplanned. I just didn't even mean to, I just ran out and grabbed everything. Um, Yeah. It's, it's also in like considered in the improv world, it's it's considered lazy because uh, you're you're not being creative or you're doing anything. Pretty much all you're doing is saying, Hey partner, Hey scene partner, this is on you. Take care of this. I'm oh this. yeah, you're okay. I got it. But then there are some games that are like, um, yeah. uh, like dating game, where it is just all questions, or you know, party quirks, which like necessarily isn't questions, but like there are there is use for questions in there. So that it, it's the guessing games that are really rely on it because you have to figure out what the other person is. It's the ones that you see on like whose line is it anyway, and things right, like that. Right. Right. Well, it's and it's ironic that we're talking about questions because, I mean, questions, they do happen in scenes and it's not like they're absolutely banned from improv. It's just you can't keep throwing them out of your mouth. Like, don't like, don't use them as a crutch. Use them yeah, when they yeah. can make exactly. the scene go forward. Exactly. And it's it's also funny because on Friday we'll be doing a game that's only questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> I figured I'd bring up the fact that there are some loopholes in the in the initial rules. Right, um, right. Well, and and it's interesting because, you know, in sales, you know, the the main thing is 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 let the prospect or the customer do all the talking. You're just really setting them up for success. And um and you'll use open-ended questions to move it along, but then it's almost like also be curious about the other person. So it's 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 like you're, you know, you're listening, you're in sync. Sometimes you ask questions and sometimes you're just helping them build, continue to build along, you mm-hmm. know, and what they're telling you. So that's cool. Yeah. Another thing uh, for, that's in the book that I feel is worth mentioning is like uh, it talks about the seven elements of improv. Yes. And ensemble, which means it's not an individual thing. It is the whole team, you know, and it's everyone is constantly adding, constantly helping the scene grow and develop. And well, then, that's what every company is trying to get to is they want synergy. You know, they want that right. culture to be like, if, if someone drops something, someone else picks it up and you know, it's, it's just, there's, there's always someone else chipping in and being there for each other. So, yeah. Which goes back to our last week's episode with Don Yeager and right. he, you know, talked about what makes teams great. Right. And then also with the uh, Ben Zolden episode where he talked about being all in, those are all aspects that deal on sports teams in business. And then also in everyday life, you know, that core team of people that you build around you, you all in for those people, you know, it's a team. It's not, it's an, it's an ensemble of people that are, will take the shirt off of their back for the next person because, you know, they're just, committed and they're all in. And I think that's like one of the coolest things is, uh, you know, and it's not like everyone in the world is using improv. So it's like hard to feel that always in everyday life. Right. But when you're like doing improv and stuff, it's like one of the few places where I constantly feel like, Oh, if I say something stupid, it'll be fine. Like I have to, I don't even have to worry about being like, uh, uh, well, uh, you know, like backing myself out of it, trying like digging myself deeper or going into your head (laughs) or thinking about it. It's just like, gets you out of that comfort zone. Like what Michael said, be comfortable, not being comfortable. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So yeah. Um, And then it also talks about failure, which is like being comfortable, being able to fail. And I think that's a super cool one that is like, even if it fails, 
there there's a next we have one more scene after this like well it's it's funny in leadership uh, training you did some of this with me jackson but they they celebrate making mistakes and you know we yeah. do that here where there's like don't make the same critical mistakes over and over again but it's okay and michael i was thinking about the air force it's like <laughs> some mistakes are really big mistakes so so i wanted to ask you like in that um, is that the mindset in military? Cause you came straight out of the air force and then all of a sudden it's like, you're in this sort of flexible flowing world and the, and the military is so structured. Right. So that's, um, that's actually like, I would say 80% of the reason why I got into improv. Um, so I saw, so when I was in Korea, I came home for a month um, and I saw my first show at Second City and I like looked at my brother and I was like, I don't know why people wouldn't want to do anything else. Like this looks absolutely amazing. And then I pretty much just talked about it for a year and a half. And so I was stationed in Colorado and uh, my mom flew out on business um, and wanted to get lunch. Lo and behold, she had a little surprise and she was, we were driving around Denver and she stopped at some, like it looked like an abandoned building. And she was like, all right, you're getting kicked out of the car. And I was like, why? She's like, I signed you up for an improv class. And so that's, that's how I got introduced to it. Um, fell in love with it ever since. And then, yeah, I started doing it because I found myself just kind of, if I went out to the bars, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was like standing way too straight for being at a bar. So I did it um, to pretty much strengthen the opposite side of me. So like, I guess I have a nice solid structured sign, but then I'm also an idiot a lot of my time as well. So <laughs> and and you're a funny idiot, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did it. I did it to like balance myself out right. in a way. Um, and I think it's, I think it's helped me tremendously. Yeah. I, I I agree completely because like I mean I've always enjoyed like making people laugh because I feel like that's like the gateway to making people feel comfortable you know what I mean like around me you know what I mean and I never wanted to be like people are like oh don't invite that guy he's awkward you know what I mean so I'm always like you know like making cr- like stupid jokes that like hopefully at least one person will laugh at and I'll be like cool we'll hang out for the rest of the night <laughs> you know what I mean like and then you're on my team <laughs> yeah and then we you know it's just like it kind of and then like once you look like an idiot and then you realize everyone's kind of cool with you looking like an idiot you're like Oh, okay, cool. And then it's like, you can be stupid and you can mess up and you can do that. And you're like, well, what did you expect? You know, but I mean, so yes. So, and so many people these days are just so scared to get out of their shell and like yeah. be really who they are because they're worried about what other people are thinking about them. Right. And, and like, yeah. yeah, it's funny yeah, you and, say that we're in the business of building influence for people, you know, helping them develop their digital influence. And when we're interviewing people, it's just, um, it's so amazing how many times people are afraid to uh, tell, uh, to be authentic about their story, how to live into themselves, you know, and how, and how to, how to be, you know, how to be genuine and put it out there. And it, it feels like once you start doing that, it's almost freeing. It's like, Oh, I'm not holding on to this while I'm talking and trying to listen to everybody. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's, um, that's a hundred percent accurate. And yeah, like people are just, yeah, so scared to be authentic and really open with themselves on who they are, because like, they're it's just all about image nowadays, and so people are just really worried about what other people are going to be thinking about them. Yeah, yeah interesting. And, well, and um, oh, go ahead, Jackson. Well, and like even if you look at like um, like celebrities, like not all celebrities are good at like like stopping and talking to fans. And I know like that gets exhausting and stuff. And, but I'm just like, like it it appalls me how some people are just like, like behind the camera, like in front of the camera, like reading a script, like a lot of them like are amazing, like Academy award winning actors. And then you have them talking to like normal people and it's almost like a rigid kind of like, Oh, this isn't scripted. I don't know what to say. And you can tell, you could, you can definitely tell the people that are more authentic usually started in improv or have a background with some improv because they're like, whatever happens, happens. This is me. This is who I am. It's like, I'm not like, you know what I mean? Like, well, that's why I like those movies. Like even with like, you know, Kevin Hart and the rock and some of those movies and, you know, some of them aren't like mainstream Academy award-winning movies, but they're, but Any they're Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Like. Adam, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you can tell that they're improving and the director's like, let's keep that. Cause that was good. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, no, and um, I'm with C Pro. I'm also like the biggest Office fan ever. Oh and yeah, like the I've I've looked up like the amount of scenes in the Office that were improvised by Steve Carell or whatever. And like, they just kept the camera rolling and then it happened to be an amazing scene. Like for instance, when Michael kissed Oscar for the office fans out there, that was improvised. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that. Um, and it happened to be such an iconic scene. And then it goes with, um, we were talking about like failure earlier and failure is such a strong word. Um, and when people like fail at something, they don't acknowledge that they learn from it as well. Right. And so, like, that's such a huge aspect, especially with improv, too. Like, if you do a scene and it goes off your wrong, well, it's like, well, why did it go wrong? And then you got that stuck in your head forever because you don't want to go through that again. Well, and talk, talking about very, you know, very funny, cla- you know, now I wouldn't say classic, but, like, you know, scenes that were funny and left in the movie that, like, weren't um planned weren't were improvised to some extent like um the movie grandma's boy was one of the guy that plays dante and he's in a bunch of like um adam sandler movies and like that group uh so and he was like he had to sit there and smoke weed on camera but they gave him like the hollywood weed you know like the fake stuff you and he was like this is bullshit man like I'm not going to smoke fake weed. <laughs> like that's dumb. I have a bag in my car. <laughs> so he goes and he gets this big bag of weed from his car and he starts packing bong hits. And then they did like 20 takes of the scene and then they cut and he go- looks at like, I think it was Nick Swartz and he looks at him and goes, Hey man, I can't feel my legs right now. Someone's got to drive me to the hospital. Like, you know, and it was one of those where he was like, this is awesome. This is going to be better. You know, it's going to be more authentic (laughs) and all this stuff. And then he was like, hey, man, I can't feel my legs right now. Like, have the monkey drive me because there's a monkey in the movie. Um, Just great. You know, I'll like Tommy boy, like anything Chris Farley did. I'm almost positive they never handed him a script. (laughs) Right. That's what I was going to say. And even Belushi, Belushi too, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Belushi and Farley were a lot of physical, like the stuff that they would add would be like falling over and breaking tables and like right yeah the you know almost bel- almost to the point of the next level of slapstick you know where yeah like with the like, eyebrow with belushi yeah. and all that yeah. stuff so i think you know there's uh you know different ways where like they like improvisers i feel are aren't afraid to play with the line a little bit more than well, yeah, and I think I think top salespeople and top even top executives, I'll put it out there, uh, top people in business that that seem to progress. Uh, you know, they always go, "Oh, you can think well on your feet." Well, you're really just playing off of the scene or the situation or reacting, you know, and, and yeah. doing that. And and one thing I want to make sure we cover, um, Michael, and I was thinking about rugby when I read this was follow the follower. Yeah, and and the reason is because it says it gives any member of the group the chance to assume a leadership role, which I was like, while in rugby, uh, you know, I mentioned this in the beginning, is like everyone has a chance to be the star. Where in football, it's like, oh, it's all about the quarterback or whoever, you know, and and so you've got these these individual stars. But but really, follow, you know, follow the follower feels like. So can, can you dig into that a tiny bit? Um, yeah, so like to me, follow the follower, uh, it – it to me if if you're watching a show and this an improv show and this person specifically ensemble has like backed them up completely and set them up for the huge success so if you're following the following or or if you're following the follower you're yes ending them um but yeah and like you're also setting them up and yourself for success in the scene yeah yeah, I, I feel like that. I agree with all that. Like it's, I mean, essentially, um, I think like the biggest rule in, in, like if you had to sum it up into one rule, all of the rules and the elements would just be like, be there for your team 100% of the time, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like there's no loophole around it. You're there and you support them and you make everyone look good 100% of the time. 
Yeah, that's that's excellent. Um, Jackson, in fact, I want you to bring that into our team meeting on Friday, if you would. So that exact thing, because I think that's um, that's a lesson all of us can have, you know, whether it's family, whether it's our business, um, you know, whether we're in a work environment. And what's interesting is many people feel like they don't have control. And I think, Michael, that's where the fear comes from, where they feel like they can't be authentic. And uh, you know, I always say that if you feel that way uh, anywhere, then if you feel like you can't flow or you can't, you know, make mistakes, you know, and like I said, as you know, our rule is you can make mistakes, just don't make them repetitive. You know, let's right. fix them or create a system to fix them. Right. Um, and I think I think far too many times we're put in this box where it's not okay. Uh, to be bad, to make mistakes, whatever it is. And, and then it keeps us from the best part of ourselves. No, yeah, I 100% hundred, I hundred agree. Um, when people are scared to take that extra leap or that extra jump, and they're just stuck in this little box. And I mean, you won't ever see their true potential. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree completely. It's like that failure helps everyone grow. You know what I mean? That, that thing that you messed up on that, even if it's, it could be the smallest mistake, but as long as you learn from it and constantly keep growing and keep improving on your skill set, whatever it may be, you know, if it's marketing, if it's, you know, finance, let's hope you didn't make a huge mistake with someone's financial <laughs> situation. You know what I mean? That would be awful. Um, but I, you know, like just like any of those things, like whatever the mistake is, as long as you're constantly growing from it and you're learning from it and you can say I'm better because of it. Like that's the most important thing. As long as it's a constant, you're like, you're constantly learning, constantly growing. Like, I mean, I'll get off the stage every time we do a performance or come out of a rehearsal and be like, I, I feel better because, you know, you know, one of us gave a note to someone and, or like even you, know, someone gave a note to me and it helped me see the mistake I was making and why I felt like the scene wasn't working was because I was unable to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I just need to, you know, focus on the fact that, okay, I didn't get out of my head, all this stuff. I was overthinking it. And then once you're more conscious of like, okay, don't overthink it. And then you're like, you know, you just jump out and say whatever. And I mean, as long as it makes sense, it's not like just gibberish. We don't just scream random words at each other. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, I mean, we're getting pretty close to time, but. Yeah. And I was going to say your, your website is twistedlimechicago.com, right? Right. And we have uh, two upcoming shows this Friday, November 8th, and then November 15th at 10.30 p.m. in Donnie's Skybox. And if you go to twistedlimechicago.com, uh, you can, uh, there's links to get tickets on there. You can get them at the door, uh, if they don't sell out. And then you can also go to our Facebook page. We have Facebook events. You can buy the tickets right in there. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's are, what I, yeah, are, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say they are $13. So wow. is yes. that for front row? <laughs> No, that's all row. Yeah. Yeah. That's the coolest thing is actually, it's not a specific ticket seating. It's actually, you can sit wherever you want. That's what the $13 gets you. It's pretty, there's there's no obstructed view unless of course you sit on the floor. Right. So correct. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, it's still not even that obstructed. I mean, but, and, and there's, uh, there's drinks. So Come have there's some drinks. Plenty of the, there's plenty of those. Actually, yeah. I heard Jackson, you were buying if anybody comes, you know, that's on this show today. I heard that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see how I feel on Friday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you, uh, we usually meet at Old Town Ale House after the show as well. So oh, yeah. that's always a popular spot for after Second City Show, Ale House. And then. Because uh, if you're not in Chicago, watch for social media updates. Yes. And then, um, yeah, so definitely come check us out if you like to laugh or if that's your thing. Um, even if you don't like to laugh, maybe you didn't know you like to laugh and it's, you're going to discover a new thing. It'll be pretty cool. <laughs> and sometimes before the show, we meet at what, 1871? Do I have it right? No, he never. Okay. It's 1959. He always okay. gets the one, uh -huh. right? That's. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> it's only the, it's the only bar. Is it on the second floor? Yeah. It's, uh, it's second or third. Yeah. Second. <laughs> 
See, I don't even it's know like, where. Yeah, second I just know. floor. I can yeah. hear it. That's all. And when I walk in the building, I can hear it. So yeah. what's interesting, what I always like about Second City too, is there's like it feels like there's nine different stages. Is that over? Is that too many? I mean, how many are there? Because there's like little cubby holes with stages. And yeah, there, there. I want to say it's close to if if it's not nine, it's I mean it's around there. It's eight yeah. or ten. Like it's it's super in that ballpark. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always liked about it. Cause like you said, well, it's thirteen dollars to go to this one, it's ten dollars to go to this one, it's whatever, it's whatever. But they're only really an hour long. You get time to be social. And if you want, you can go to another one, you know. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. And I think like the coolest thing is like if you do like decide that you take a class through like improv Olympic even or Second City Annoyance, you get like a card that allows you to get into like a lot of like if it's another student show then yep. you get in for free. And I think that's super cool because that shows you a bunch of other stuff. You get to like learn from other people's mistakes at that point. Right. I think that's super cool as well. So it kind of gets you to see other people and how it's going. And then you get, you can get discounted tickets to uh, certain, you know, like shows. I think you have to call ahead for main stage. It's like, it's super like a lot of times main stage doesn't, you don't get too much leeway on that one, but I mean, main stage is always good because it shows you like, okay, these people have at least, you know, made it in Chicago. And that's like, so you get to see what it's like to see an actual group working on main stage in Chicago. And I think that's super cool as well because it shows you like, okay, like, like, yeah. And then you like, as an improviser, I'm always watching like, oh, I, yeah, that was like slightly like that was a mess up, but like that's cool. And like knowing that other groups mess up sometimes, like that's another big thing that it shows you is like, no one's perfect and improv will never be perfect. Right. You know? And I think that's the best part about it. That's the blessing right there. Yeah. It's definitely one of the coolest parts. All right. Well, I want to thank our uh, live audience today for tuning in. And uh, those of you listening to the podcast, thanks for downloading the podcast and uh, Michael, thanks for, um, taking a tremendous time out of your schedule. Uh, and uh, I always enjoy you guys on stage. And Jackson, thanks for sharing um, your learn and then helping me bridge to the business side. We're looking at, I think I mentioned earlier, we're looking at working some even some more improv into our workshops as we help people with storytelling. And it just seems like such a great parallel to have this as, as part of what we do as well, you know, in the business world. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I don't. I think a lot of people don't uh, understand how much they improvise just on a daily right. basis, um, yeah. and it's 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 super crazy because people come up to me all the time. Oh, I couldn't do improv. It's like, well, you probably did it today thirty five times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I agree with that completely because there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I'm constantly improvising like I never plan out what I'm going to say ever you know I mean like there's like I mean obviously for like uh like when I give a presentation or something I have speaking points but I never run through it because I do it all based on the audience like if the audience is liking something different then I can be like all right well we're gonna skip through this because I feel like this is gonna be more beneficial to this audience so I feel like as a speaker improv is phenomenal or if someone asks a question that I hadn't like is a little off topic, but I have to figure out how to phrase it, I can actually fill like a minute <laughs> of time just like talking and being like, Oh, cool. You know, like tell me a little bit more about what you're doing while I think about this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. Um, and Michael, you're going to be a teacher. So, I mean, just think how beneficial it's going to be to play off of that those, class, no matter those, what age it is. Those right? kids are screwed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no idea what they're gonna, they're gonna play for. like i said i wish I, I wish i had a lot of more improv with my teachers so some yeah. of them were too scripted i and i always i i i always thought about because you know like you know my grandparents were teachers i you know work with teachers i work in schools you know doing audio technicians for shows and stuff like that um uh but i am like someone once was like hey you know, I think you'd be a good teacher because you're like, you know, fun and you can relate to the kids and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but I would feel so bad if like America's education system just declined rapidly as soon as I started teaching and like 
no one is a productive member of society. And I've been like, oh, well, and I would t- really take that and be like, you yeah, know, that one was on me. I'm sorry. That's my bad. And like, right. that was, that's like one of my biggest reasons. I never like actually did that. But uh, cool if, if you, if you want to follow us or engage with us um, after the fact, uh, you can, we're Twisted Lime Shy, uh, C-H-I on Twitter. And then we are Twisted Lime Chicago on Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube. And uh, all the logos are the same on everything, so you'll know which one it is. And also, uh, you can tweet to me after the fact if it's Social Jack related at Jackson Delisle. And then at Dean Delisle, if you have any suggestions for guests we should have or anything like that. Uh, if you want to listen to this podcast after the fact, it'll be on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, and CastBox, and also on YouTube. So, uh, you know, we'll get those up and then make sure to check out uh, the show this Friday and next Friday. Uh, take it on the website if you're yep. on the yep, and you're in Chicago. Uh, if not, we upload recordings of our shows to YouTube so you can subscribe and get all that. And also subscribe to the Social Jack channel which allows you to get up updates when we upload new episodes of the podcast, when we interview interesting guests such as Twisted Lamb Chicago or, you know, any of the Shameless other ones. You know, it's promotion. Like, like, yeah, whatever. Well, I mean, I'm on the, that, that's like the, my biggest thing is like, there was like, you know, you should never plug your own stuff. And I was like, but it's like also the podcast that I'm a co-host on. So I'm right. like so conflicted right now. <laughs> it's okay, I'm going to go man. cry. Anything goes. Your, your dad might produce it. So it's okay. So. All right. Well, listen, thank you everybody out there that's listening and thank, uh, thank you, Michael and Jackson for sharing the crossover of improv business and life. I love it. And then I uh, can't wait to see your upcoming shows and, and to see more from you. And uh, I do know that you're, uh, getting uh, interest from the business world to come into there too. So continue teaching us all about improv and doing your thing. So thanks again. And thanks to all of you out there and uh, great show. And we will see you online. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the influence factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.